1: Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello, and welcome to the World Cricket Show, a cricket show that sits easily inside the world's two or three hundred favourite cricket shows. My name is Adam Bayfield, and I'm very much your host. And we're not in our regular studio tonight, but joining me via Skype is without a doubt the most respected commentator in Ashes cricket, apart from possibly Richie Beno and Michael Atherton and Bill Laurie and Nasser Hussain and Michael Slater and Shane One and pretty much any cricket commentator you can think of all the way down to and including Nick Knight. It's Tony Kerr. I actually
0: think Nick Knight is really respected. i <laughs> <laughs> quite, you know, I'll, I'll happily sit with Nick
1: Knight. Well, that tells you all you need to know <laughs> about yeah. Tony's idea of punditry.
0: If I sound slightly nasally uh, and/or drowsy or any other kind of thing pertaining to illness, it's because I'm ill.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, this is it, isn't it? I mean, this is a uh, this is an emergency Skype episode. We did do one of these last winter because we got snowed in, uh, but we're having to do it again because uh, you've been quarantined.
0: Self self inflicted or self enforced quarantine. It's one of those things that it's like when you you know. When you're at school and you're off of school you can't go out and play in the evening, man. I've
1: not been to work today, so I feel a bit bad going into work to record a cricket podcast. <laughs> but this, <laughs> they not frown at that. This is this is the thing, though, because I find that your attitude to illness irritates me so much. Because I mean, to be fair to you, you don't get ill that often. But you but you have no sympathy with people who do get ill. But then when you get ill. You behave exactly the same way as anyone else that gets ill. So like I a couple of weeks ago I was ill and I couldn't play five side football for our team in the league. And you were like annoyed at me. You're just like, Oh, it's just not good enough And you're like, Oh just come and can you not just come and like stand in goal? And I'm like, I haven't been at work today, I can't go out and you're just shaking your head like not good enough But then now you're ill. It's exactly the same thing, isn't it? You can't go out, you've not been at work. Also, for a man who never gets ill, you certainly are a hypochondriac. <laughs> I don't think that's true. On the rare occasion when you are ill, you claim it's tonsillitis or like diphtheria or something. I don't know, whooping cough. It's just what the rest of us call a cold. So
0: on Sunday, it was hard to tell where the illness began and the hangover ended. Really, but it became more clear as Sunday wore on, and by Monday morning, it was all illness.
1: Well, I'd had, I'd had rumours that you were seriously ill, because uh, you, you bailed on football yesterday, and uh, someone yeah. who was there said they'd seen you, and that you were in a, in a dreadful state. So, uh, so I, when I turned on the Skype, I was expecting to see a real kind of uh, plague victim, but you were really chirpy, massive grin on your face. You've been watching Apollo thirteen this afternoon, having a great time, <laughs> by yeah. the sounds of it.
0: Uh, and going to New York as well, yeah. It's pretty epic afternoon. <laughs> I think it's a, I don't know, you know, there's a kind of life cycle of an illness, isn't there, where it comes on and you know, you kind of go to bed knowing that the day after is going to be the worst day. And then uh, once you've had the worst day, you know, it's, it's kind of downhill or uphill from there, whichever way you look at it. Uh, so, yeah, yesterday was bad, today was worse, and then tomorrow will be better. So, yeah, I'm optimistic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: One thing you can never cure is your optimism. I mean, to be fair, I've just essentially made fun of you for being ill. I'm ill as well. I had a cold a couple of weeks ago, finally got over it a few days ago, now seems to have collected another cold, uh, which doesn't seem fair. Uh, But uh, I I was at work today. I didn't uh, didn't take a day off like you. Struggled.
0: (laughs) I'm just watching you on Skype, just going through tissue after tissue. (laughs) 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 Where's that come from? Just for the... The benefit of those at home who obviously aren't seeing what I'm seeing here. Uh, you basically just done some kind of magic trick there when you threw a tissue away <laughs> and then produced another tissue from the same hand. I don't
1: understand <laughs> that. Yeah, no, I, I struggled on at work today, uh, but but walking home, I, I, I as I'm sure you're aware, one of the the things about a cold is that it leaves you very short of breath because uh, you know it blocks up your nose and, and everything, and so any kind of even light exercise just really makes you breathless. Basically, uh, there's a there's a hill here in Guernsey going down into town. I work at the bottom of the hill and I live at the top of the hill. So uh, it, it's quite a steep walk home at the best of times. Uh, and yeah, tonight it left me... Uh, I felt like I'd run like the 400 metres or something. I was waiting for Phil Jones to come out, come down trackside and interview me because <laughs> I just couldn't breathe. It happens most days that I seem to think that the best time to call people is when I'm walking home. And I think ev- everyone just thinks I'm really unfit. Because, you know, it's, it's even worse when you're, like, trying to talk and walk uphill. It just doesn't really work. And I'm just there like,
0: y'all, uh, we'll be home in a minute.
1: <laughs> Today was worse than ever. Also, I don't know if you've noticed, but people... You, you can't say to anyone that, you're, that you've got a cold without them responding. It's like a contractual obligation that they have to respond. Where it's going around. <laughs> yeah. It's going around. That's the nature of a cold, isn't it? Very much. Yeah,
0: yeah. like most kind of viral infections. <laughs> it's like some kind of virus.
1: It's, it's going just... around like a virus. Ashes. This is the part of the show where we talk about the ashes. Ashes preview part two. The ashes strike back. This is the bit where we go like previously on Ashes preview and recap what we talked about last week. I
0: don't basically recap way too much.
1: Yeah, we should. Have you seen the the show The Killing? So I'm watching that at the moment, and the the episode recaps at the start of each episode honestly go on for about 15 minutes. They just show you the whole episode again. So I think we should start doing that previously on the World Cricket Show. It's quite a funny one, though, isn't it? Because they do that, and then at the end of each episode, there's like a kind of sequence of
0: bit, or a sequence of shots with, with some music that reveals kind of more in 30 seconds than... In the whole episode previously, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you can literally just watch the final kind of roundup at the end of each episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they do it on uh, the Shield as well, don't they? They do like eight minute recaps, except when for some reason we haven't <laughs> we haven't watched the Shield for about six months and we're like, oh, it's all right, we'll watch the recap, and then there isn't one. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason as to like when they do it. Very, very frustrating. Uh, Well, anyway, we're not here to talk about The Shield or The Killing. (laughs) As
0: much as I do want to talk about
1: The Shield. (laughs) I've got a lot to say about The Shield, the television programme which finished five years ago. Uh, But no, we're here to talk about The Ashes. Well, yeah, The Ashes start in two days, Tone. I think we can agree that The Ashes start in two days. Are you ready now? For the love of God, tell me that you're ready. (laughs) You've not got much of a choice, to be fair. They're probably going to go ahead with them anyway, whether you're ready or not. Well,
0: yeah, I'm ready, I think ready and waiting possibly undercooked though in terms of my illness you know i might there might be residual drowsiness on wednesday night which isn't gonna be good for anyone
1: this is actually the worst thing (laughs) that could have happened is to get a cold like two days before the start of the ashes because i'm worried enough as it is about how i'm gonna continue to function towards the end of the week
0: play starts wednesday night doesn't it yeah so by saturday it's gonna be ruined.
1: I, like, it's literally to the point that I don't want the Ashes to start. Obviously, I'm going to have to watch the cricket. It's just not good news for the rest of my life. But anyway, I wanted to to start off uh, this week by just uh, by just giving you some credit, today. and I felt like uh, we didn't give you the credit that you deserved last week. People have been writing in to point this out to us. We somehow managed to forget that in the summer, you accurately predicted the series scoreline. Like in, in last week's show, you were like, did I predict 3-0? Did I predict 4-0? Uh, but truth be told, Tane, you predicted 3-0, which was the result. And I, I don't know how you managed to forget that. Because, <laughs> that is just to how bad my memory is, <laughs> But, I mean, it was probably your proudest moment of the year so far.
0: I think it's just my, you know, it's my modesty, Adam. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to rub it in any, any more than I had already done in the summer.
1: Uh so yeah so you so you got that prediction right in the summer we're both going to predict series score lines uh for this time around but maybe let's let's save that for the end. Uh last week we discussed England this week we're going to be turning our attention to Australia and one thing that we talked about last week was the the surprisingly confident mood around the Australian camp. Uh you know Clark and Lehman and others have been making pretty bullish noises England have been relatively restrained, but uh, Australia are very much talking up their own chances. There seems to be a feeling that Australia came out of the the summer's Ashes series with more credit in the bank than England did. Do you think Australia are, are right to be so confident, Tane? Uh
0: No, in short, I guess. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think, think they are really that well placed, are they? Let's be honest. I, it's going to be. It should be closer than in England, but. I, would, I wouldn't say there's huge amounts to be that positive about. Uh, you know, England are slightly weaker, obviously, than when they went down under the last time. But I still think Australia have work to do. They're they're behind, their they're
1: trailing England in quality. So you, no, I don't think they're right to be that positive. It is a bit of a strange thing, isn't it? Like just how upbeat Australia seem to be, because you know they they've not won any of their last nine Test matches, and in fact they lost seven of those games. And if England had you know, been on a run like that, I very much doubt that England fans and the England team would be quite so confident as Australia seem to be. And there are clearly still some huge question marks over certain areas of that Australian side. But I can, to a certain extent, understand where they're coming from because they did play some, some pretty decent cricket in the summer. And actually, they, they seem to be getting better as the series went on. And they came out of that series, I think, with a much better idea of what their best team is. Than when they went into this series, it sort of cleared up quite a few issues, and there is a way of looking at uh, this Australian sequence of results uh, that does paint them in a slightly more positive light. You know, they they've lost a lot of tests this year, but they, they, those tests have taken place firstly in India, and they you know were just sort of out of their depth in Indian conditions, and then they came up against a, a very a pretty strong England side at home. Uh, so that that's a, a difficult sequence of fixtures that they've had this year, and if you go back a a year, what are you doing? There's just a lot of noise coming from your end. Don't know where it's coming from? It's like a a clanking.
0: There's there's water dripping on the the window sill outside. Yeah, is it, can
1: you hear it? I don't know. I can just hear like a. It sounds like you're tapping a pen or something. Uh, it's not too bad. If you go back a, a year or so ago, you know, they the last time they played at home, they walloped Sri Lanka and they were pretty unlucky, I think, not to get anything out Wallop. of it. The... Wallop! <laughs> Sorry, sick <it's okay>. Sorry. <laughs> no, what did you say, Tate? Wallop! <laughs> I'd actually I'd forgotten about Wallop.
0: Oh, well, it's back, mate. It's back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wallop! <laughs> well anyway they, uh, they wallop Sri Lanka and uh, and they were pretty unlucky I think not to get anything out of a, a series against South Africa you know they only lost that series 1-0 could have won both of the games that were drawn so, so yeah to that extent you could say well maybe their, their weakness as a side has been exaggerated you know they're not that bad the question is are they as good as England you know they might have a, a better idea now of what their best team is but is their best team as good as England's best team?
0: Probably not there are question marks over the England side and question marks of form, but you just you've got when it comes to a big occasion, I think you've just got to back some of the big England players to to do more and really you know despite some decent performances in the summer and since then in the Australian batting lineup, there's no one really that well apart from Clark obviously uh, I don't think any of the other batsmen
1: are going to scare. Uh, the England team too too much. Yeah, and even Clark, you know, Clark is very scary, uh, and but he didn't have a great series in the summer, and possibly that was just because he was a little bit out of form, maybe struggling with his back. But equally, you know, I think he did find life quite tough against some of the England bowlers, particularly Stuart Broad, who got him out five times. You could say the same thing, of course, about uh, some of England's best players like Cook and Trot, who you know maybe they were out of form, maybe they were just found wanting against. Uh, some of the Australian bowlers. So that is, you know, those are very interesting subplots in this series. Are Cook, Clark and Trott, you know, are going to be three of the great batsmen of this era. Are they going to be able to get on top of the opposition bowlers once again? But yeah, clearly Clark is one of Australia's world-class players. Ryan Harris, probably another. And they're as good as anyone that England have. But, but, you know, maybe England just have more of those world-class players. Um, There's a lot of banging around, banging going on.
0: Like that noise. Yeah. Oh, that's me moving the mouse.
1: Okay, that's what it is. Oh,
0: uh, okay, cool.
1: Try not try not to do it so much. <laughs>
0: um, I'll try not to.
1: I mentioned Ryan Harris and you know you've got to think that the Australian bowling attack is going to be pretty key. You know, if they're, if they're going to win the Ashes, it will be because it'll be down to their bowlers really, won't it? And I think the attack does have a, a fairly formidable look about it. You know, if, if Harris manages to stay fit, he's going to do a lot of damage. Peter Siddle, we know all about Nathan Lyon will do a job. What about Mitchell Johnson though? He's he's been recalled and he's being talked up. Michael Clarke has gone on record saying he thinks he's going to be man of the series. That's drawn a lot of derisory remarks from England fans because obviously to England fans he's a he's a a pantomime figure, isn't he? A pretty uh, preposterous figure, figure of ridicule. Do you think those England fans are going to end up with egg on their faces, or are or are Australia mad to be gambling on Johnson?
0: Well, it's, 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 I think it's Hard to say, you know, it's a cliche, but which Mitchell Johnson's going to turn up. I don't know, you know, it's definitely, we've said it before, for Mitchell Johnson's career, whilst at one stage when he was kind of running through lineups and and bowling at his best, it looked like he would go on to be one of the world's best, kind of retrospectively, that was just a flash in the pan, wasn't it, in in many ways? Uh, And he hasn't done it for a consistent enough period. So I'd say no, you've got to say there's, there's an outside chance if it does click for him, then he's gonna be dangerous, but that's gotta be that's gotta be an outside chance rather than a probability.
1: Well he blew England away in Perth three years ago, didn't he? And when he performs like that, he's as good as anyone in this era. But he just doesn't do it very often. And he's been, you know, to a large extent responsible for some poor Australian performances in the ashes in the last four or five years. And to that extent I've been a little bit surprised by just how confident Australia seem to be that he that he will get it right and that i think is off the back of some some very strong one day displays in india he was very good in that recent one day series there but i don't know just how instructive those one day displays are it's it's a different format of cricket in a different part of the world against a different team he's only played one first class game this year and he didn't exactly set the world alight in that in, you know in terms of red bull cricket he's not got a lot of it in his legs you know, the, the talking up of him I would imagine is, is part of a ploy isn't it? it it's it's an attempt by Clark and, and the rest of the coaching staff to to sort of try and build up his confidence you know they think if they can show a lot of faith in him then maybe he'll respond to that he is a confidence player isn't he more than almost anybody you know maybe reminiscent of Steve Harmison but maybe to an even greater degree Mitchell Johnson's problem in, in previous Ashes series has been upstairs hasn't he he's just never been able to get it together mentally <laughs> <laughs> Great, I know. I agree. You know. He's taken as many wickets in one-day cricket this
0: year for Australia than than any other Australian. Well, apart from, apart from one wicket. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: that but, but, so. that <laughs> sentence made no sense. No, he's he's taken again. as many wickets this Namely. year than any other Australian bowler. In, in one-day
0: cricket this year. <laughs> roughly. Roughly speaking. I don't. I still don't know what you mean. <laughs> He's taken wickets in one-day cricket this year. Right. That is true. Uh, but as you say, he's not... What's he played? A couple of tests?
1: Well, he played against Sri Lanka at the start of the year and was very good, uh, but then he played in India and was terrible, and since then he's played one first-class game for his state side and went along at sort of four and a half and over and, and didn't really run through the opposition. Now, that's not to say that he won't come into a test and do it, but I don't know whether the evidence that he's back to his best is as convincing as uh, as the Australian camp seem to think it is but then you know we're not seeing him in training are we
0: there's definitely the potential is there for him to be to be good I think it, it seemed like more wishful thinking than anything And if you got a player like Johnson within a team of kind of Australian greats of a few years ago uh, where you know you, you, you would have said their mentality was kind of unshakable and they were Gritty and, and maybe he could have been carried in that team, but amongst a team where the team full of players here coming off the back of multiple Ashes series defeats, I don't know if it's a wise move to be talking of Johnson yet. Yeah, he's got the potential to to be good, but he's also got the potential to, to lose matches for Australia.
1: Yeah, I, I guess maybe one slight difference is that uh, in 2009 and in 2010, 11 he came into that series as the leader of Australia's attack, uh, so there was a huge amount of pressure on him there.
0: so to recap, we're cutting the price
1: of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And he buckled under it. This time, Ryan Harris is the leader of the attack, isn't he? And Peter Siddle is sort of second in command, if you like. Uh, Johnson is coming in as the third seamer, sort of seen as someone who can be used in very short bursts, and maybe that will take enough pressure away to enable him to just, you know, bowl with freedom. The flip side to that is that having attempted to build up his confidence by very publicly backing him, now possibly the Australian public are expecting him to be brilliant, so suddenly there's a lot of pressure on him. I I don't know. I'm not inside Metro Johnson's head. The Barmy Army are, uh, I think. I don't know how he's going to respond to it. There's a possibility that he'll come into Brisbane and absolutely destroy England but there's also a possibility that will come in and get smashed around he is as I say a confidence bowler and in the past it's looked like his confidence is is made of glass Uh, and in that sense he gets a lot of sympathy from me uh, because so is mine Uh, but you know, unless he gets it right immediately in Brisbane the Barmy Army are going to be all over him and that could be pretty hard to come back from as an England fan I really hope that he doesn't get it together as much as Johnson seems like a pretty nice guy Losing the ashes would be one thing, but losing them because of Mitchell Johnson would be pretty unbearable. I think. As I say, he seems like a really lovely man, but just on the basis that he's been such a laughing stock in the past, you know, the uh, the irony of that would be pretty intolerable.
0: Well, it certainly seems like there's a bit more fire being kind of stoked ahead of this series in the summer. I don't know. The Aussie media seem a little more confident, and they're giving Peterson a lot of stick. Uh, Dangerous, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so I think England have got
1: the edge. Well, in the summer, of course, the, the big area where they had the edge was was in the batting department. As much as England's batsmen struggled at times, they were able to kind of hang in there, weren't they? And while they never went out and made massive scores, they did do enough. I think they, although they never went past 400 in the series, they did go past 300 on, on six out of eight occasions, whereas Australia did get skittled out a few times, and that essentially cost them the series... Now, I think Australia feel more comfortable with the top six that they've got now than the one that they did six months ago. You know, there's there's no Hughes, there's no Kawaja, there's no Cowan. All of them struggled a bit. And crucially, those three players that have gone out are left-handers and the guys that have come in are right-handers. And that could muffle Graham Swan's impact, which might be very important. And actually, in, in the last three tests of that summer series, Swan only got a right-handed batsman out once, which is something to think about. They've added George Bailey, the one-day captain. He's uh, He's been brought in to, to bat at number six. He's going to be given his test debut. Again, that's off the back of some fantastic one-day performances in India. Uh, but whether he's going to be able to cut it against Anderson and Broad in a test match remains to be seen. You know That is a, a very different kettle of fish. Do you think that this top six that they've got now will be, uh, be more capable of standing up to England's bowling attack? Are you more uh, worried about it as an England fan?
0: Potentially, but... Again, you go man for man with the English batting lineup, and you'd, you'd say, "Well, there's only one team that's superior there." There's, I mean, there's potential. Certainly, the, the potential for the Aussie uh, batting lineup to come off and come off well, but it's, it's hit. Well, I don't want to use
1: cliches, but <laughs> you've never been afraid of that in the past. No, so well, Why yeah, stop now? To, uh, no, I don't
0: know. I, no, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, the middle order looks looks capable. I guess up top, maybe some concerns.
1: Well, it's probably going to be Warner, Rogers, Watson, Clark, Smith, Bailey. That's probably going to be the top six. And in one way, you think that's got a more solid look about it. But then on the other hand, Rogers and Clark aside, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty 2020 side, isn't it? Warner, Smith, Bailey. Whether they're up to it in the in the Test match environment, the jury possibly still out for a few of them. Well, Tane, to to help uh, illustrate this debate, I've uh, I've only gone and done a composite eleven, right. uh, which you know is probably the most popular part of the World Cricket Show. Uh, People love
0: lists, don't they? This is essentially that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. I uh, I've actually been offered a job at BuzzFeed off, <laughs> off the back of these.
0: BuzzFeed's composite eleven
1: editor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I've done is I've uh, I've imagined a world where England and Australia. I'm going to be picking 111. I've picked that 11, and this is what I've come up with uh, an opening combination of Cook and Rogers, Jonathan Trotter number three, uh, then a 456 of Peterson, Clark, and Bell. I've given Brad Haddon the gloves, Graham Swans the spinner, and a three man seam attack of Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, and Ryan Harris. So to run through it again very quickly that's Cook, Rogers, Trot, Peterson, Clark, Bell. Haddon, Swan, Broad, Anderson, Harris. So there are seven Englishmen in there and four Australians. Does that accurately reflect the balance of power, do you think, Tom? Uh,
0: I think it probably does, yeah. There's not that much to dispute in that.
1: That's it. Well, maybe the one controversial <laughs> one, I guess, is, is the wicketkeeper, isn't it? I, I Normally, I would go for Pryor over Haddon. I think Pryor is superior. Pryor's is the, the best in the world for me. But you know, at this point, we're still not sure whether he's going to be fit for Brisbane so on that basis, you know, added to the fact that Haddon was better in the summer, wasn't he? He had a better series. Pro was was pretty poor in the summer. Haddon had was fantastic behind the stumps, at least broke the record, didn't he, for catches in a series? You know, on that basis, I've, I've just given Haddon the edge.
0: Yeah, it seems pretty valid to me. I mean, one of the things that's uh, I've kind of been picking up a little bit. A lot of the previews and a lot of a lot of people saying, you know, Australia, they're the best chance to, to get, you know, to get going in the series is at the Gabba. Yeah, they've got a pretty good record there against England.
1: England number one, I think, since, since, the, since the 80s.
0: Yeah. Uh, the conditions as well, maybe kind of the most foreign to to this England team. Uh, but again, like the summer, yeah, it's, it's all what we heard in the summer, isn't it? Oh, this first test, you know, the pitch is going to suit the Australian uh, Australian tag. It's their best chance of getting a win on the board early and putting pressure on England. And then they don't win the game, and suddenly you know, that's a dangerous mentality to have because then they're thinking... Yeah, have heard everyone saying on oh, this first test they, the Australian need to win Yeah, and then the, the whole series flops away I mean obviously that first test in the summer was pretty close I was
1: going to say yeah they did get within 14 <laughs> runs of doing it could
0: have gone the other way but you know if Australia were to lose this first test where does it, you know, where does it leave them? obviously 1-0 down the series <laughs> <laughs> but it also you know kind of in their heads you know upstairs what's, what's happening
1: yeah and where do they go from there Adelaide and, <laughs> and try, try and win that game yeah, well, I do think that this first test could be very important, though, in terms of setting the tone for the series, just because if England win, that could sort of crush the Aussie spirit and it could shoot down this, this much-hyped revival. And as you say, there's, there's so much talk about how important it is for Australia to win here, and if they don't, it could be pretty, uh, a pretty devastating blow. But conversely, if Australia do win, then that could get England running scared. And in terms of like a media reaction, if England win, the Australian media will be all over Australia, if Australia win, then the, the Australian media will be all over England and the English media will be all over England. It, it, it very much changes the psychology of the series. So while it's not over for whichever side loses this first game, it could be pretty significant. What I'm going to do now, Tone, is ask you for a scoreline prediction. Bear in mind, of course, listeners, that this he's very much a, a Mystic Meg-type figure, a, a a real guru. We, we know We know that whatever he predicts will be the outcome. And what will happen is I'll make a prediction and you'll go, oh, that was what I was going
0: to (laughs) choose. To try and cling on to my coattails. Uh, I I think at the start of the the 10-match run, I've definitely predicted 3-2 England this winter, didn't I? So that must have been 6-2 overall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 3-2, probably slightly ambitious.
1: Five results for one.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, So I might just... I might rein that into maybe 3-1 to England. Convincing, but maybe I'll give the Aussies one test. One (laughs) test out
1: of ten. I'm going to go for 2-1 to England. There we go. We'll find out in
0: January or whatever it is. Uh, I I, I, don't think you're going to be far off with 2-1. I think you'll be be one result out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Much like Indian cricketer Sachin Tendulkar, it's time for this episode of the World Cricket Show to swagger off into the sunset. It's over, Tain. The little master has played his final test. Did he see it? Uh,
0: I, I did see uh, parts of it.
1: He signed off with an innings victory, didn't he, against the West Indies in Mumbai. And unbelievably, he even scored some runs. He scored 74 in the first innings of the match before he was dismissed by uh, Narsing Dionerine, of all people. Bit of a shame you couldn't get to 100, wasn't it? But then I guess uh, you, know, you wouldn't turn down 74 on the basis that... You no, know, he's he's not really scored any runs for a few years, so uh, better than we were possibly expecting.
0: Well, for one, uh, if you're going to book, uh, if you're going to book a team, which is essentially what they did, isn't it? The uh, Indian board book a team to prop up the Sachin farewell. You yeah, know, probably should have gone for someone else other than the West Indies who couldn't make India bat twice.
1: <laughs> yeah, although on the other hand, you know, it, it, West Indies were quite obliging in the sense that a. It wasn't difficult to overshadow that series, was it? Because I'm not sure that uh, that people in either country, particularly, cared about the outcome that much. So you know, Tendulkar being the focus was a, a much you know a much less problematic thing than if they'd been playing England or Australia or something. Uh, but also, you know, the, the results were never in doubt from about ball one, were they? So it, it could just become about Tendulkar. But yeah, absolutely incredible scenes in Mumbai, remarkable atmosphere. Uh, very emotional when he came up to bat. West Indies gave him a guard of honour. You know, the crowd going absolutely mental. It was was memorable stuff. Memorable stuff. As I say, the fans were going mad inside the stadium. It was ticket chaos time. We discussed this a little bit last week. Fans just weren't able to get tickets, that very few tickets were released and the ones that were were only available online and the website kept crashing and things like this. I read that only something like 3,500 tickets went on sale to the general public for each day. That's out of thirty-two thousand, which is the stadium capacity. But uh, yeah, there, there was a in a press release it said that the other tickets were reserved for VIPs and celebrities, which I find quite hard, I find quite hard to believe because that's that's all the celebrities, isn't it? I mean, there, <laughs> there, there can't possibly be that many celebrities who wanted tickets. Like I I'm just picturing the Indian board there sort of scratching their heads trying to think of other celebrities to to invite. It's like poor Hollywood's coming got the hairy bikers, uh, you know, do you want to phone up Jason Orange, see what he's up to, get him down, <laughs> dial up Anne Robinson, what's she doing? The celebrities
0: obviously didn't get in the way of the occasion, did they? they the atmosphere still was pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, celebrities are people, firstly, but also, like, uh, you know, I think in reality it was more VIPs than celebrities, I'm sure there were that many celebrities, but by yeah. VIPs I think they meant, you know, government officials, like the police department had a had an allocation and, you know, that kind of thing.
0: You know, you'll be well aware of my hatred for celebrities in sports crowds. Yeah. But it's, it's one of the things that wine you got most.
1: I was really surprised that they didn't cut to Gerard Butler after, uh, <laughs> after Sasha came out to bat. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, it was quite an occasion anyway. And,
0: uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, pretty unique situation. Uh, I don't know. I mean, who's the next Indian hero?
1: Virat Cody, I guess. Shikhar One. But neither of them will be on that, that level, that Tendulkar level. I mean, I, it's difficult to imagine anyone being on that level in cricket again, I think. I mean, uh, we we discussed that Economist article, didn't we? But the, the thing about Tendulkar is that he came along at a particular moment in India's history and has been kind of uh, inextricably uh, linked with India's sort of economic rise and, and so on. And it, it's just not the same now as much as Kohli and... Dewan and the others are adored. They're not worshipped in the way that, that Sachin is and was, and it, it, it's hard to imagine that that could happen again.
0: It's hard to imagine another sportsman from any other discipline having that kind of impact on their retirement.
1: Well, anyway, what about uh, what about your weekend time? That's, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Were you ill all weekend, or did you manage to do anything mental before you uh, before you came down with it?
0: Well, I felt pretty rough on Saturday afternoon. Uh, but then I, I was I was out uh, at a charity bash, right. uh, uh, so I didn't, didn't want to let the table down. So I kind of stuck through it.
1: it what was it? Uh,
0: just a charity thing.
1: <laughs> what were you doing? A set? <laughs> no,
0: unfortunately, the, yeah, no. Could
1: have done, I guess. That's that's kind of what it sounds like. though. you're like, yeah. Well, there was this charity bash. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to let it down. <laughs> you know, I'd I'd that's been totally booked. I'd been booked for months, so. Uh... I had a fairly quiet weekend. I, I went to see this Gravity on Saturday night. Have you heard about this Gravity thing? Uh, I that, yeah. It's a it's a good film. I highly recommend it. Several thumbs up from me. Uh, and then uh, then then on Sunday I played tennis. This is something that happens about five times a year, where after every Grand Slam event and after the World Tour Finals, I play one game of tennis because I get all excited <laughs> get all excited about it. Play once, then don't play again. You know, after Wimbledon, I'm 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 out there in my full whites and my plimsolls. But uh, yeah, I was playing on there uh, on Sunday, and on the court next to me, I really enjoy being on a court beside uh, players who are taking it incredibly seriously. It's very funny, just because you'll be playing a game, but you can just hear hear what people are shouting. <laughs> That's quite a funny bit. Where this guy, he was just so intense, but also not that good or seemingly, because he kept missing, hitting into the net or hitting long. And just every time he did that, he'd yell something and just be like, oh, no. But there was one where he hit it into the net and went, I've told you before.
0: <laughs> Great line. It's amazing, yeah. <laughs> Slightly terrifying. <funny>
1: <laughs> What's going through his head there?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm guilty of it. I, I, you know, I, I, I do at times uh, Lose it.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, nothing's really worth getting that angle
1: about <laughs> yeah. i mean i do as well i get tennis is very frustrating and i get annoyed but but you know on a busy you know leisure center court when there's loads of people around it's just it seems quite ridiculous people like swear and stuff as well and, <laughs> yeah. well actually when I, I went to pick
0: up my car from uh, from where i'd left it on saturday night on sunday I was, I was ill at that point uh and you know when you're ill and you're kind of aching you you, you're clumsy. So I like, banged my knee on getting into the car to begin with, and I got dropped off at, at my car by someone. And as I was getting out of the car, I banged my head on the way out. And a really busy car park, uh, people like spilling, kind of pouring into the, the venue. To, I don't know what it was on it's like a pantomime or something.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, so it's like a big family event. But as, yeah, as I got out of the car I banged my head, and I just went <laughs> really loud. Uh, but then I had to walk. There were people all around, I just didn't even think. I, mean, I had to walk from the car where I'd got off about, like, I don't know, 60 or 70 yards to where my car was parked, just with all the people <laughs> who, who were around me at the time. And I was just, like, going, like, kind of to myself.
1: <laughs> it's quite embarrassing, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, I have to, uh, I have to edit out so many of your uh, your swears from the World you <laughs> Show. You're, you're a regular Roy Chubby Brown when you get going. Anyway, that's about it for this <laughs> week, I think. Uh, we've made it, Tone. We did it. You're still alive, mate.
0: Yeah, plenty to, there'll be plenty to talk about next
1: week, won't there? Yeah, apologies for the slightly peculiar nature of this week's episode. I'm hoping the audio quality's been all right. Uh, but yeah, we just we, we couldn't really face flogging all the way out to the studio when we're both ill. And and also Tony literally couldn't because he's not been at work today and that is his workplace. So uh, that, that might not have been great. But anyway, we'll be back with a proper episode next week to talk about the, the Brisbane test. By the time we next record, Tane, we will know the outcome of that first test. Uh, But between now and then, if you like the World Cricket Show, you could get more involved. There's any number of things you could do. You could write a review for us on iTunes. We really appreciate all of those. Thank you to people who have done that. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. Click the like button there. Follow us on Twitter at cricket show. I'm going to be tweeting a lot during the ashes because when I'm on the sofa at three in the morning eating cereal, Twitter is essentially my only friend. Uh, so I will be, I will be doing a lot of tweeting. You can follow Tony as well at Tony Kavur. Send us an email, WorldCricketShow at gmail dot com, and you can find all of this stuff on our website, which is cricketshow.net. dot net. But yeah, that's about it. Enjoy the Ashes. Have a good week. Uh, stay in school. Don't forget to stay in school. Uh, and we'll be back soon. Feel better, Tony. Cheers, mate. Are you going to say the same to me, or do you not care? Oh, I feel better, mate. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, that's nice. You're a real friend. say no, you're not really ill. <laughs> God, See, mate. this is it. This is the attitude that I hate. <laughs> you being ill, oh, I'm really ill. But me being ill, oh, you're not really ill. I'd... A
0: couple of people texted me today actually saying, like, oh, mate, feel, oh, you feel a bit better soon." But I feel like that makes me feel awkward, there because... Because you're skiving. You know, no, no, because I expect people to text me
1: saying, man sort it out, mate. <laughs> yeah, because that's what you do. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Alright <laughs> On that night Bye for now
0: It to us It's to us all Each day is year Yeah, yeah smell your fear